That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Session Cynical Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Another week, another tumultuous seven days in the world of Chinese business. We have Chinese authorities handing out record fines to its tech companies, Inner Mongolia being made to slash heavy industry to improve carbon emissions, and consumer inflation has reared its head for the first time in 2021. But we also have good news for all our vegetarian listeners in China. I assume there must be at least five. Anyway, with all the news that counts, here is your weekly China Business Roundup. The U.S. Senate introduced a bill on Thursday directing the U.S. government to adopt a policy of, quote, strategic competition with China to, quote, protect and promote our vital interests and values, end quote. Bloomberg reported the 283-page bill crafted by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee is part of a push by Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to vote this spring on a broad bipartisan package designed to confront China's economic and geopolitical power. The measure seeks infrastructure investment and technology developments to compete with China on global supply chains, science, and technology. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Zhao Lijian responded to questions about the proposed bill at a regular press briefing Friday, saying that Beijing is committed to developing ties with Washington on a win-win basis. E-commerce giant JD.com's Global Sales Unit and Visa have signed an agreement to jointly launch an online merchant subsidies program targeting consumers in Hong Kong, Macau, Taiwan, and other overseas markets. By using Visa's token technology, JD.com's overseas users will be able to connect their Visa cards with their JD.com accounts and make mobile payments with one click, the Chinese e-commerce giant said. The news comes against the background of significant growth in both China's cross-border e-commerce imports and exports. The head of the Chinese Association for Vaccines said the country plans to increase COVID-19 vaccine production capacity to 5 billion doses by the end of next year as Beijing looks to ramp up its national inoculation drive. The target, revealed by Feng Duojia at a recent forum at Peking University, is roughly 20 times the number of Chinese-made coronavirus vaccines administered at home or sent overseas to date, 
according to a Tsaisin calculation, based on further data disclosed by Feng. The news comes as Wang Huaqing, chief immunization expert at China Center for Disease Control and Prevention, said China may need to vaccinate at least 1 billion people to reach the threshold necessary for herd immunity. Inner Mongolia is set to slash the region's production capacity of steel, coking coal, and ferro-alloys as part of a broader crackdown on emissions in energy-intensive industries. Authorities have ordered 164 state-owned and private enterprises in the three industries in the Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region in northern China to cut their capacities through 2023. The move follows a crackdown on cryptocurrency mining last month in the region, another highly energy-intensive industry. Inner Mongolia was specifically identified and criticized by China's top economic planner in February for failing to control its energy consumption last year. The suicide of a Chinese truck driver made headlines last week and has drawn attention to the working conditions in the sector when it was revealed that the driver was fined around $300 for using his vehicle without a functioning global positioning device. Jin Qiang, a 50-year-old driver from North China's Hebei province, died Monday after drinking pesticide at a vehicle inspection site, according to a government statement. Hours before, Jin wrote a message on popular social messaging app WeChat, slamming local traffic police for finding him and claiming he planned to use pesticide to kill himself and awaken the leadership to the importance of this matter. Chinese authorities are currently investigating the suicide. Consumer inflation in China has made its first appearance this year. China reported the first rise in consumer prices this year and a bigger-than-expected increase in producer prices to the highest in almost three years in March due to a low base and a rapid rise in energy and commodity prices, official data showed last Friday. The Consumer Price Index, or CPI, which measures changes in prices of a select basket of consumer goods and services, rose 0.4% year-on-year last month, reversing a 0.2% decline in February. It was mainly driven by rising non-food prices, such as surging gasoline and diesel prices. And finally, there's good news for China's vegetarians and vegans, Beyond Meat has increased its bet on China's fledgling imitation meat market with an announcement that it is opening a new plant near the country's financial hub of Shanghai. The manufacturing facility, which will be located in the Jiaxing Economic and Technological Development Zone, is Beyond Meat's first plant outside the U.S., a California-headquartered plant-based meat maker said in a statement last week. The facility will be responsible for producing pork, beef, and poultry alternatives for consumers in China, where Beyond Meat already sells its flagship plant-based burger patties and an imitation minced pork product. Let's turn now to Doug Young, Managing Editor of Caixin Global, for the story of the week, which is... Wow, this has got to be be almost a a global story of the week this time. Uh, We're looking at Alibaba, you know, obviously the e-commerce giant, and uh, they've just been handed... A massive 18.2 billion yuan fine by the Chinese anti-monopoly regulator, in this case the market regulator. Um, and just for those of you who aren't 
too well versed on the conversions, that's a, the equivalent of 2.8 billion U.S. dollars. So we're talking quite a big fine, and um, in a lot of ways, this is sort of like a, a whatever it was. It was highly expected. I mean, the the regulator has really been uh, making lots of noise for almost a year now, really about sort of how the Chinese internet giants have gotten a little big, little big, t- too big for their boots. Uh, and they're doing some anti-competitive stuff. And China really has looked the other way for quite a long time. Uh, in the West, you know, people have been going after Microsoft and Google and Facebook uh, for a little while. And, and we've seen some action against them. But China really did nothing against its big companies until late last year was sort of the big one when Alibaba's uh, Ant Financial affiliate was getting ready to make an IPO that was going to be an all-time world record and and it got pulled at the last second. Uh, And a lot of this revolves around just these companies just have gotten way too much clout in the market. Um, In the case of Alibaba, uh, the one thing they zeroed in on was the fact that uh, Alibaba you know, as a big e-commerce company, would go to a lot of merchants who would sell products on their on their site and say, you know, choose us or them. Basically, they weren't letting these uh, merchants sell on rivals like JD.com or they could sell on JD.com, but then they couldn't sell on Alibaba. And obviously, you're not going to say no to the biggest e-commerce company in the country. So, I mean, that's that's really the the story. I mean, the you know the rest is all just sort of like details. Uh, the regulator said Alibaba stifled innovation, impeded the flow of free goods, harmed consumer interests, and blah blah blah. And just for anyone who was wondering, the uh, amount that they fined them was equal to four percent of the company's domestic revenues in 2019. So that's <clears throat> that's how they figured that number, and. Just to put that in a little perspective, uh, the next biggest fine, sort of anti-competitive fine China had ever handed out was in 2013, and that went to Qualcomm, and that was for about $1 billion U.S. dollars. So this latest one is, is probably about three times that size. So obviously very big news, but I reckon a lot of people will be wondering how the market is going to react to this. Did the share price of Alibaba do what one might intuitively expect? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, some people might say, oh, my God, Alibaba's stock is going to go through the floor. Uh, but instead, we actually saw it jump 7% in uh, trading on Monday because the, the announcement came out on Saturday over the weekend. Uh, and, you know, well, some people might say, oh, my God, why, why would it do that? Well, I think there's a couple factors at play. One is this huge overhang has probably been removed. Uh you know, there was all this uncertainty about would they be forced to take huge remedial action. Um, in fact, the, the regulator really didn't specify very much that Alibaba had to do, uh, meaning sort of it's it's like up to them to sort of remediate and, and, you know, do what they think needs to be done to end their anti-competitive ways. You know, and they, they could have been a lot more drastic and told them do this, this, this and this. Um, and then the other thing is just that Alibaba's stock has just been under a lot of pressure uh, the last year. So this is sort of like a probably a little bit of a sigh of relief. But the, 
stock at Alibaba and Tencent, the other big internet company, used to be roughly equal. I think Alibaba was even worth more and Tencent has just become much more valuable lately and Alibaba's stock is really dragged. So this is a little bit of a, a sigh of relief, but I think you know a lot of people have probably lost a lot of money uh, investing in Alibaba over the last year. And, and I'm sure many are wondering how this is going to affect other tech companies besides Alibaba itself. Yeah, I, I think the other big one that everyone's watching, well, they're watching Am Financial, which is Alibaba's financial affiliate because they are just huge in the whole fintech space and, and the payment space. But then Tencent is obviously the other one that everybody's watching. Um, Tencent is a little bit different because they really, they, they do have a, a big, I wouldn't say monopoly, but they, they certainly are big in, in payments, which is where Alibaba's big. And then they're also big in games. Uh, and the other place, but even in games, I think, you know, they control, you know, maybe 30, 40% of the market. I, I'm not sure the actual figures, but it's, it's maybe not monopoly status. Uh, the one place where I think Tencent will have to watch out is WeChat because that has just become, you know, they, they really do. There have been cases of them, you know, sort of locking people out of WeChat to stifle competition, you know, with its own products and sort of that kind of thing. And, and WeChat is just used by everybody in China now and, and Tencent really can throw its weight around with that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something happen with, with WeChat and, you know, maybe a, a similar sized fine, maybe a little bit less, uh, you know, but we'll have to stay tuned uh, probably something later this year, maybe. Well, Doug, great to talk to you as always, and uh, I hope we see you again soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Hear stories from Caixin Global, SubChina, and many other China-focused outlets on the new China Stories podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.